Today, our text comes from Acts chapter 2, starting with the first verse. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to the Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter Standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams." Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire of vapor of smoke. And the blood shall be turned to, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is a, a very big day in the church, Pentecost. Uh, this is a day that we celebrate. Actually, we celebrate the season of Pentecost all the way from now until Advent. So it takes us all through the summer into the fall all the way up to our Advent season in December. And all through this time, we're going to be studying deeply the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the church in Rome. It's theologically rich really focused on the fact that none of us have any righteousness apart from faith. That anything good that we do is because of faith. Today we start not in Romans, but in Acts, the beginning of the church. We are made right. We are made right by having the right spirit. Let's dig into that a little bit. Did you know that the day of Pentecost didn't just start at this moment in time in the New Testament? The day of Pentecost actually was practiced by the Jews for centuries and thousands of years before. See, this, this day of Pentecost, this festival of Pentecost was just like Passover in which wherever you were in the known world, if you were a Jew, you made a pilgrimage back to the city of Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover or today Pentecost in the home city of Jerusalem. So that's why you have people 
thousands and thousands of people from all over the known world who are Jews who are traveling to Jerusalem for this single-day celebration of Pentecost. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Here we have 120 disciples, the only disciples currently a part of the church. 120 of them gathered together in this same house of worship or or home or really large building, bigger than my house, because I couldn't fit 120 people in there. But here they are gathered together. And this huge roaring rush sound of wind comes from heaven and then fills the entire house. Now, it could not have been an actual wind because wind that would be that deafening loud, we know as Floridians, can be quite disastrous. And there's no damage. No damage at all. And this roar that is coming and emanating from this house is drawing people from all over the city to come and see. It's so cool how God brings new listeners to the apostles. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. There was a single flame that then divided out and parted into 120 different pieces, lighting on each head in this house. First came the sound, and now comes the fire. This would have to have been very extremely terrifying. Except it doesn't say that they were afraid. Usually in Scripture, when God manifests himself, he has to send an angel down along with to say, do not be afraid. There's no mention of that here. Because as the Holy Spirit has poured himself out into these people, filling the house, filling them to the brim, there is no room for fear. They are fully empowered by God. See, this sound and this flame reminisces back to the Old Testament. These are Old Testament-type people who are listening in the context of the Old Testament, and they hear a rush of wind, and they see fire, and they associate that with the presence of God in the Old Testament. There is no doubt that God is clothing them with power from on high in this moment. Remember, that's what Jesus said as he ascended into heaven, I will clothe you with power from on high. Well, right now they are being wrapped up in brand new spiritual clothes, and they are dressed in the best. They are made right. Made right. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Lutheran church, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot, uh, except for the fact that he's the one who delivers to us the, the, uh, the gifts that we receive in the Lord's Supper. He delivers to us the presence of Jesus. When we read Scripture, the Holy Spirit works through that Scripture, growing faith in our lives. But we spend a lot more time talking about the Father and a whole lot more time talking about Jesus. But today we get to talk about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So I did some study this past week, and I looked through all of the New Testament and references to the Holy Spirit and the attributes, the qualities, and the characteristics of this Holy Spirit just kind of jumped off the page to me. Paul wrote this. He said, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. And who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. See, he ties together the whole trinity. The the Holy Spirit wraps up the whole shebang and delivers this gift to us. The presence of God in all his fullness is with us right now. John writes in his gospel, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth. 
the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. You see, in this world that we live in today where truth is so slippery and what's true for one person may not be true for another person, the spirit is true. There is no falsehood in the spirit of God. He is unchanging. He is true. Paul writes, And he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. The Spirit is holy. Well, he should be. It's in his name, Holy Spirit. Should be holy. But he's set apart. He's special. He's powerful. He is for a purpose. He is holy. I love this next one that Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons. This is, this is an amazing thing that the Holy Spirit did when he, he comes and he is a spirit of adoption, a spirit of building God's family, of wrapping up and including them in God's family. He has adopted you. You are a son or daughter of God most high. Because the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart. Paul writes to Ephesus that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom to discern and know the will of God. Wisdom to know that we are saved by grace through faith and revelation. It is the Holy Spirit who awakens our hearts, who opens our eyes, opens our ears, and opens our souls to receive the gospel and believe in it. That is the spirit of revelation. See, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth, of life, of holiness, adoption, wisdom, and revelation. That is the Holy Spirit that Jesus has poured out on the church. That is the Holy Spirit who is in you today. But wouldn't it be cool if we could act like they did, like those 120 disciples, where they were able to go and, and do crazy things. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled, right? This is not just a little sprinkling, just a little bit to get you going. It is full to the top, overflowing more than they could hold, full of the Holy Spirit. These are hearts that have been awakened big time. And he awakened their hearts, not just for them, but so that they could help carry out that Holy Spirit to the other people and awaken other hearts. And see, being filled with the Holy Spirit means there's no room for anything but the Holy Spirit. No other evil spirits, no other worldly spirits. But if we're honest, if we're honest, maybe we just want like a little Holy Spirit because... I want to have room for worldly spirits in my life, like pride and ego and, 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 and lust and greed and anger and whatever it is that you fill, other spirits fill in you. I was curious to, to study in the New Testament what would be the opposite of the Holy Spirit and what are the spirits of this world, and, and this, is what, this is what I found. In Acts, Luke writes this, And we are going to the place of prayer. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. The spirit of divination was a, a person that, that uh, would empower a person to be able to share amazing things, to talk about the future. Today we have less of that, but we do have plenty of places that we go to for wisdom apart from God, to go to a knowledge apart from God. 
And where do we define ourselves? And, and, and what voices do we listen to? And do we, do we spend our day feeling one way because of how we watch the news and it, it made us angry? Or, or do we spend our, our, our time finding our value in what other people say about us? Or do we emphasize things in what's right or what's wrong based on what society says? That's that spirit of divination. The second spirit is a spirit of slavery. Paul writes this, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. See, a spirit of slavery loves to hang on to sin, right? It loves to feel guilty for what we've done wrong. The spirit of sin is one that says, I know that I can't obey the law perfectly or fully, so why even try? Maybe I even enjoy some of the sinful things that I do, and I'm not ready to give up on them just yet. And you become enslaved. Just by allowing them, entertaining them in your life, you become enslaved to them, and they drive your life, and they control your life, and ultimately they will end your life. And then there's a third and final spirit, a spirit of stupor. Paul writes this, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. You see, this isn't plain foolishness. This isn't just a lack of education or knowledge. This is an unwillingness to listen to the gospel. It's a rejection of what the Holy Spirit is bringing. See, these are, these are spirits that we, we long to just reserve some space in our lives but on a day like Pentecost, as a day like we should spend every other day just starting it with recognizing what those worldly spirits are in our life and asking God to purge them from our bodies. God, take away my ego. Take away my pride. Take away. Take away my desires for things of this world. Take away my slavery to sin. Take away any resistance to the gospel. Just empty me, Lord. Empty me out today because I am poor in spirit. And here's the good news. Jesus teaches about those who are poor in spirit. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for you shall inherit the kingdom of God. Because it's only when we allow God to empty all of us and become poor in spirit, that we become empty vessels for him to pour all of him, all of himself into us, so that we too can be full of the Holy Spirit. So how do we get more? How do we get more and more of this Holy Spirit in our lives? Pray that God would empty you. Pray that he will fill you. Now sometimes, some people in this world, and, and I would consider myself one of these, where you have one of those moments in your life that is pivotal, that God comes alongside you in an undeniable way and radically changes who you are and you have that experience, that, that whoosh, Holy Spirit filling you Pentecost kind of experience that changes your life forever. But not everybody has that, and not everybody needs to have that. Because for most people, it's not a big whoosh. It's a consistent presence in your life. How do you get more of his presence in your life? Well, you, you open up the word of God. 
That's the, that's, that's the best way to have more of the Holy Spirit in your life because he promises, the Holy Spirit promises that when you receive the word of God, whether you're hearing it, you're reading it, or you're proclaiming it, the Holy Spirit is at work in that process. Growing faith, building relationships, building the church. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many people read their Bible today before coming to church or do so on an everyday basis or read for hours and hours a day. But I, I do want to challenge everybody in this room to do more. Especially if the only exposure you have of God's word is on Sunday mornings. You are starving yourself for no reason whatsoever. And I know that the biggest reason why people don't read more of the Bible is because of time. We are so stinking busy, but here's what we communicate. Because we do a really good job of carving out time to things that are important for us, things that we love, things that we desire, things we, don't, we want more of. We invest in them. We spend time with them. And here's kind of the, the guilt punch. That when you don't spend time in God's word, but you spend time streaming Netflix or spending time on Instagram or, or doing whatever it is that you do, you're saying those things are far more important to me than the voice of my Lord. And if that's where you are today, this is an amazing time to say, God, empty me out and fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your word. Help me make your voice in my life a priority. So here's the challenge to every single one of us, including myself today. Let's do more. Let's consume more of God's word on a regular, everyday basis. Not because we have to, not because it's a checkbox, not because we're going through the motions and maybe God will catch us reading his word and go, good job, Tig. But to do so because we just long to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his voice. To hear of his love for us. To hear him calling us into a deeper relationship with him. We need more of God's word in our life because it is the single most important thing that we have. Yes. <laughs> so what's the result of this Holy Spirit infusing himself into us? Well, that day, it was really exciting. There were, there were 3,000 people that came to faith, right? They're, they're all gathered together. And, and Peter, he just gives, he just like, just really gives it to them. And, and they, they come and they're attracted. And he says, men of Jerusalem and Judea, everybody who's listening, give me your ear. I want to tell you about a man named Jesus Christ, who, by the way, you crucified. He is Christ the Lord and has saved the world. And people wondered, what do we have to do to be saved? And they were overwhelmed. And he said, repent and be forgiven. And 3,000 people that day had their hearts awakened by the Spirit of God. And their lives were changed forever. Let's put this in perspective. Dial back to before Jesus ascended and, and before he started his ministry. In those three years that Jesus walked this earth, teaching, doing miracles, speaking to thousands of people, when it all came to a close, there were only 120 disciples. 120. Jesus, 120. Peter, the guy who's always stepping in it. 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, preaches one sermon, and 3,000 people are impacted. Remember when Jesus says, you will do even greater things than me. This is that greater thing. The explosion and expansion of the church. Now imagine what would happen if the Holy Spirit was a powerful force in your life that you would be transformed. You would not be the same person. You would have a transformed life of freedom. You would know that you're set free from the law, but you love the law because that gives you an opportunity to show your love for God. You celebrate a transformed life of joy, that you gather together at church with joy and anticipation for interacting with God and interacting with each other. You celebrate a transformed life of sacrifice. Right, because this whole Christian thing isn't just for being convenient or when we have surplus or when we feel extra generous. It's regular, consistent, sacrificial living that impacts your lifestyle. If your faith does not impact your lifestyle, that is a place where you can grow to impact how you spend your time, how you spend your money, how you spend your heart. And then finally, that sacrificial, that, that sacrificial life then leads to this transformed life of renewal, that we receive an abundance of God's grace, and we can't help but share that grace with everybody, even our worst enemies. And we see God begin to transform who we are, to change us, to slough off all of the calluses and difficulties and bad characteristics and start to dress us as himself as we become more and more Christ-like. What would happen if we prayed for the Holy Spirit to do this? I believe we'd see an entire community transformed by the power of God. And I believe that's exactly what God wants us to do. And I can't wait to see it happen. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, pour out your Holy Spirit and pour it into a flood. Fill this room just as you did that day. Fill us all to the brim. Remove out anything that's of the world and fill us to full capacity with you. Empower us, Lord, to, to be bold in our faith, to be changed by you into the men and women that you would have us become. We pray this in Jesus' powerful and holy name. Amen.